Hello everybody and welcome to episode 65 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, life finds a way in robotic Jurassic Park, Prey is getting mixed reviews but is there more to it than that, the return of Konami Corner, and the book club this week takes us on a game that's essentially Mario for the self-loathing. It's Donkey Kong Country, let's start the show. Sixty-five of Link to the Cast from linktothecast.eu. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am every week by the uh, the definitely paying attention to the podcast and not the football, Mark Robinson, the platforming prodigy. How are you, Mark? Hi. <laughs> we have the Champions League on in the background. <laughs> Full the disclosure, football on. I know. Jeez, kind of happens sometimes. It's the problem when I record podcasts, but this podcast and. Often when I recorded um, the the away goals podcast, hey, what is, to that? Uh, it's on hiatus for now. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna kick it back in next season. <laughs> we were um, the problem was uh, I got real busy uh-huh. at roughly the same time Jack got busy, okay. and that 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 did not like because because Jack got a new job in work. Right, right. You know, he moved moved moving up. He's taken over. Is he He's taken moving over. on up? He is indeed. Uh, but he um, four winners of the Mercury Prize, by the way. What the fuck? Four winners, former, just, former winners. Oh, former, not four times. <laughs> it was a four. I was like, when's the Mercury? What? I was completely lost, completely lost there for like. I've, a, really paid, I've had a day. <laughs> I've never really paid too much attention to the, the Mercury Awards. Like, I don't know. I've never felt like they're particularly on the pulse. No, um, although I do like sometimes if I hear a nominee, I'll go. I might have a listen. Sure. Sometimes yeah. I like it. Sometimes I regret. Yeah. I know I got into um, Richard Hawley for a while because Arctic Monkeys won the Mercury Prize and Alex Turner's immediate quip was Richard Hawley's been robbed, call the police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to Turner. He He's good for a quip. He is, yeah. He's a sassy young man. Yeah. Is yeah. Alex Turner. Isn't that the only good thing that's ever come from Sheffield? <laughs> um, Certainly not Def Leppard. How was your week, friend? Uh, all right. Um, not a lot going on. Um, I'm back home in in the motherland for this, the weekend. Yeah, this will be your first proper return to your your area since uh, since in, you in left. a year and a half. A in year, year and a half. half yeah. yeah, other than two days in Manchester. Yeah, so we went to Manchester for two days for a progress show last uh-huh. the end of last summer. Yeah, and as well as that, we accidentally got sidelined in Heathrow for two to three days oh, yeah. on the way to WrestleMania. Yeah, I feel like I've tried to suppress that, but you haven't. Like that was. Inside that you're not from the the, the city you're from of London. London. You're not from the city of London. No, you're, no. I suppose you could charitably call it the Greater London area because uh, it is it's in the commuter belt for uh, London. That's for sure. I mean, that's like saying Newbridge is in the Greater Dublin area, it's, and people do really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even I know it's just killed areas, killed air. Yeah, yeah, but it's still considered within the commuter belt, which is why people are so angry that we don't get the cheaper transport. Look, we've had that. This uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So it'll be the first time back home. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the racism and xenophobia has ramped up in the last year and a half. I bet lots. Yeah, and that's just Jack. Wait, hey! <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm only going to be round one of my friend's house uh, for a Eurovision party. Yeah, Eurovision's this weekend. Yeah, um, so looking forward to that. Guess what? The idle banter next week is going to be about on the show. Yeah, I know, right? 
Um, so I haven't... I, I've done about Europe when it comes to Eurovision. I don't pay any attention to anything other than the main show itself. No, I, I did one year watch the semi-finals and did immediately realised why you shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because it it's the exact of... same fucking performance. <laughs> it's like you have already... Like, if you watch the semi-finals, sure, you're going to see some absolute kooks that aren't good enough to make it into the show. But uh, you're also going to spoil literally half of Eurovision on yourself. Yeah. So I go in spoiler-free. The My reactions or my genuine reactions having seen him for the first time there's the odd time I'll hear of a song beforehand like there was that one year where there's big controversy because one of the Scandinavian countries I think was doing a song about Facebook called Facebook Ooh but then Facebook intervened because they're very litigious and said yeah. you can't you, you can't do that so the song they just took the word Facebook out of it so I think it was just called Ooh Oh Oh it's it, like it's legitimately uh, it was legitimately a song about social networks are grand aren't they they're lovely so it's great to have any social networks that are more than two syllables that's still around like MySpace Friendster yeah I Twitter mean, yeah, yeah Bebo I guess I yeah. guess Instagram's the one sticking out there yeah like ah, Snapchat fuck, fuck the gram man fuck, fuck the gram that's what I say <laughs> anyway yeah so living on the raggedy edge <laughs> I don't know where how the fuck we got to this uh, yeah, yeah that is going to be my weekend obviously next week we will be talking about the greatest event in all of sports and entertainment yeah yeah. If you don't know what the Eurovision is, um, I pity you. I sincerely pity you. But I know that we have we've a fair amount of listeners from North America. Um, so they may not be fully aware. The best I can do, we'll sum it up a little bit next week's show. But in, in the meantime, if you're curious what the Eurovision is, um, please just uh, YouTube search for John Oliver trying to explain the Eurovision That's fair. to uh, well, America. I think... Um... Uh, Drew Scanlon is doing something on Eurovision I think he's at Eurovision he's yeah, he, doing he's filming stuff for Cloth Map because yeah. he's in Kiev so I'm I'm super super curious to see how that's going to play out mm. never did I think I'd be fascinated by watching a 20 minute video of a man on YouTube explaining the gear he was bringing with him on a holiday basically <laughs> hey look I will listen to Drew Scanlon talk about just about anything um, I suppose the only other thing I've been doing this week I've, I found myself I I I noticed something about myself over the weekend is that I've adopted a new gimmick. Um, generally, my, my Twitter is, it has for the last couple of months anyway, has been, it's been a lot of the graps. It's, gen, it's generally a mix of me talking about graps, football, current affairs, video games. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what it is. It was very graps heavy there for a while. The WrestleMania season, that's kind of what happens. And based on the people I follow, there's a lot of people involved in or talking about the world of professional wrestling that I follow yeah, on Twitter. I so that, kind of, at this point. that kind of thing, you know, the the the, the, the snake eats its own tail sort yeah, of situation. Sure. Um but I found myself <laughs> I, I noticed something about myself uh over the weekend uh, and that is um, um my uh, my new gimmick of being a domestic goddess which has uh <laughs> Dave does domestic. Uh, uh, yeah, I feel it's it's sprung out of our candle talk on the show that we've had a couple of times. I wonder if it's just sheer boredom. Um, there, no, see, I've always been like this. Since I moved here, I've always been like this. But I think I just, I internalize it and don't turn it into content. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be absentmindedly tweeting about, hey, I'm in home store again. Because I would have been exactly the same when I was unemployed for six months last year if it weren't for the fact that, hey, well... Three things. A, it's not my house. B, I didn't have yeah. any money. And C, I had Stardew Valley. Yeah, no, like I... You see, because I have a bunch of other things that I could be doing during the day. It's not like I'm, I I am at a loss for anything to do. And I, like, Look, Breath I, of the Wild will still be much, there. Yeah, pretty much a lot of my time is taken up by applying to schools now. But, yeah, sure. um... 
so I, it's not a boredom. I just think it's like I hadn't consciously thought to tweet about different things. Like there's been a lot of people asking me about candle choices and things like that <laughs> over Twitter over the weekend. I found myself I've started to consciously notice how often I'm in home hardware stores and and like homewares shops. Yeah. Um, I also think you, self, you subconsciously don't want to buy anything because something in this house will break at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's, there's always that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, today, today is one that I'm kind of like I'm kind of a bit low energy coming into this podcast because I picked up this morning. I wasn't expecting it to. Only the the possibility of a lift back with all this stuff ar- arose this morning. I think that plays a part in it as well. Um, yeah. Um, so I bought... Like, if you had a car and could get yourself to Ikea... Well, I do, and I... Well, I can't get myself to Ikea because I'm not legally allowed to drive a motorways, but I can now get myself to shops if I wanted. Yeah. Um, but, um, the... I, I went out to a garden centre and picked up... Like, this is an incredibly old man thing to do. Picked up three bags of soil and three bags of compost. Because my, my latest... I like to give myself big projects to do around the house that, like, say if I'm teaching, that I have something else to occupy me mentally and physically, apart from that. Um, and obviously if I'm, if I'm not teaching, then I, I still have myself something that I'm kind of figuring out what And that's to do. turning into Alan Titchmarsh. Apparently. Um, so like the, our front flower bed is kind of like the soil and it's kind of fucked. So my latest plan for that is to literally dig up the entire thing, get our friend Tom to come around with his toe hitch and pull the hedge out of the ground completely because it's dying. Um, and then replace all that with the soil I'm after buying. And the other thing I did was buy a barbecue, um, because our barbecue got left out last summer when the rain started coming and yeah. it rusted to fuck so we threw it out mm-hmm. and we've, we've all gone in and bought a new one now um has to be said as well probably what plays a part in that we've actually had some sunshine over the last couple of days oh yeah and it's set to continue for a little while it looks like we're gonna have a decent summer wow touch wood um yeah i think Bring it's on the warming. something uh you know every uh man about town should have is a nice barbecue for themselves i actually had a barbecue at the weekend I have yet to have a barbecue this um, the, year. The partner's uh, father uh, put on a banging barbecue uh, with your, you know, usual assortments of burgers and, and uh, sausages. Now, mm. I'll tell you what, right? Frankenfurters can get to fuck. No, not real sausage. I, I, just no. why? why? Why would you do that? My policy for sausages at a barbecue is actual sausages, firstly. That's my first... My first policy. But then I will do I will do normal, like whether they're Cumberland sausages or like... Um, super crunch sausages or something yeah. like that I'll do those but I'll also then get a fancy sausage yeah um, I, like there, there's onion and leek sausages you can get or there's um, there's ones with chilli in them I tell you uh, what right and now I'm not big enough just because I worked with them for 10 years but uh, <laughs> Sainsbury's yeah. do a in the one I worked in literally one whole end of an aisle the cabinet was just for an array of different types of sausages from like chorizo and uh, apple and leek and just all these different yeah. types and oh so, man yeah, that's what usually goes down with sausages i like to get a chicken skewer going on with some peppers on it mm-hmm. i like to try and marinate those yep yep um i'm partial to a baked potato off a barbecue grill but i'm in the minority on that so it rarely gets made because no, I'm, I'm, I'm i don't want to occupy the grill with just me making a potato what the fuck are we having this conversation about food as we're at the start of the podcast i'm quite hungry now yeah. already Can and we, we still got just, like an hour and a half yeah, to go I on this i can't do this anymore um yeah I like barbecuing. <laughs> We're going to have a pre-Eurovision barbecue, so you're going to miss it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. I, but long story short, the reason I got into this story was that it took like two fucking hours to put the thing together by myself. <laughs> it it estimated hilariously. This is a Tesco barbecue I got. And it said, 45 minutes, one person. 
both of those things were lies. Yeah. Because uh, it took me two hours, and largely because a lot of positions you have to hold things in while you're trying to screw it together, um, is almost impossible for a person to do. Oh, you should have seen the contraptions. It was like I was building something in a TLC match. That's the way I had this barbecue uh, balanced across a couple of chairs. Look, I'm just um, going to say, my grandfather pretty much built half a house by himself, so... Yeah. Um, the they, the instructions were so baffling they may as well have not included them <laughs> and just let me just, just one page that said to fuck figure it out why don't you um, and uh, the a lot of the, the screws were threaded the wrong way around ah, right. so instead of like at random I'd be screwing something away and go oh apparently this one I have to screw anti-clockwise to get it to tighten um, and they were all like instead of um like screw holes it was all um screwing and <laughs> it's all like putting the screws in and tightening a nut as you're screwing yeah so are many you, drops you, so many drops in done? my head uh, yeah. um which made it like even more difficult yeah. um, so I've always it been... was just really fucking annoying having to like i'm really happy with the finished product so i'm glad i did it but like I had planned to spend this eve, like spend this afternoon playing a couple more things to talk about on the show. See, and... the problem is, is once you've done an IKEA flat pack, anything after just oh, it's, it's the not... gold standard. Yeah. It's got like I bitch and moan about it while I'm doing it because they are like there is a lot of work goes into some of them. Like some of the stuff I bought from IKEA, there's a lot of work goes yeah. into them. But at the same time, my god, are the instructions so concise? Yeah. Like I, bought, they're so concise. I, I bought like a, a corner desk. <clears throat> no, sorry, not the corner desk. I had like a, a long desk that was the one I had in my house in Hartford that you came to that one time. And I was there twice. Oh, twice, sorry, yeah. Yeah, there was um, one time I was grievously ill, so I wasn't yeah, there for yeah. long. Um, then there was another time you bought me pizza and but, spooned me. But, <laughs> yes. On air, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, but, I don't know if you did. I'm no, a really heavy uh, sleeper, so you might have I brought it up. Did. I'm sure, you know, you was there, it was inviting, whatever. It was warm. <laughs> but... This desk, I put it together, and I immediately knew this is a one job. Uh, this is the only time this will ever be in the, like this. Like you, you, the idea with flat packs is you hope that you can kind of take them apart and then put them back together again if you need to. Most people don't. Most people just kind of move them as they are. But this thing, the way I had to screw it in, and the bits that I was giving with half it missing, this was like I cannot actually physically take this apart. This is now whole. This whole structure is integral. Like mm. I, I cannot move anything without it all falling to pieces. Um, so, you know, when I moved to China, that was just like, skip, dump it, can't do anything with it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, it broke me. This barbecue, <laughs> it was real bad. It was real bad. Oh, anyway, man. let's talk about some video games and cheer up for a while, shall we? Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. What have you been playing, Mon ami? Oh my god, right. So, I, so playing is, is the operative word here. Uh, I have been experiencing a game called Space Plan. Always wanted you to go. So Space Plan is a game by Jake Hollins, who uh, worked on Not a Hero. He was, uh, I think, the, I you say Notting Hill. It's like what a. Twist. So he worked on Notting Hill. <laughs> yeah. Great film. Um, Julia Roberts, favorite of mine, back in the day. <laughs> uh, so this is a clicker or a tapper type of game. I don't know how aware you are of these types. Of I, games. thanks to Jeff Gersman, I am more aware than I would be otherwise. <laughs> 
so I downloaded this fucking thing on my iPad. And I, no, first of all, I played the web browser version for about 20 minutes at work. And um, it asked me to, to tap, to click this uh, one, the one button that you can click. Clicked it 10 times, some stuff happened. Uh, had to click a few more times, then it automatically started counting up the clicks by itself. And I went, this is dumb, whatever. Came back to it the next day. And so the game is, it's basically, it, it takes most most of the, the place it takes on, on one screen. Uh, and you've got two lists of, they're called the Thing Maker and the uh, Idea Lister. And as you, uh, when you click this, it's called the, um, the, the, fuck it, the kinetic generator, I think it is. When you click that or tap it, you get a watt. So you keep tapping it to earn more watts. And then you can start to build things with these watts or create things with these watts, which then will in turn eventually get to the point where it will just automatically start collecting watts. And the idea is you keep building things to uh, speed up the process of how, you, how many watts that you get. Right. <clears throat> um, and you can also collect items that will um, like double the amount of watts you get as long as you're tapping or will earn you like a thousand watts every time that you tap it. So you just keep going and going and going. That's like the core concept of the game. Now you are in space, <clears throat> which is represented by a, a screen that looks like something from an Atari 2600. Um, there's this kind of big red circle and there's this small kind of white dot floating around it. And you have... And I haven't finished it yet, for reasons I'll get to. You have some sort of sentient AI software talking to you. And he wants to know what the fuck's going on. So he asks you to, you know, start building these watts up. Um, and somewhere, and I still can't quite figure it out. Um, so <laughs> this gives you a kind of an idea of the humor pretty quickly. It tries to, uh, like, boot up uh, the kind of advanced software and then it fails, tries to boot up something else, fails again. Then it goes, loading, potato library, success. And so you end up like building all these different types of uh, machinery and uh, whatever. And that they all have potato in them in some how. Like you have a spudder light and a tato tank and a tater tower. Uh, it's all potato based for some reason that I still can't work out other than just it was made by a British guy and that was a thing he thought was be quite funny um, but you end up getting this story that starts to form um, where you find out that this planet is Earth but everyone's dead on it so you try to figure out why everyone's dead uh, and then it goes all a bit interstellar for about two minutes, uh, and okay. there's an actual reference to Matthew Mahoney, Mahoney, Mahogany. I'm going to say that, um, and I'm not going to spoil anything that happens after that. But it's it's a game where, like, the premise of what you're doing and clickers in general, you can't help but find the the kind of concepts them quite dumb because you're not doing anything. It's barely a game, mm. but it's also only like three quid. Um, but the actual reward that you get at the end of it else to where i've got to is kind of super satisfying so far um now my problem that i've got is i so i got stuck in dublin for a couple of hours on saturday waiting for a bus that never arrived so i was literally tapping this fucking screen for two hours straight like the woman next to me was looking at me like what is this guy doing <laughs> he's te texting really aggressive yeah he's one like, letter he must really be into this text yeah um 
so I got to a point where I, I felt like I was getting towards whatever the, the climax of the game was. As I got on the bus, the game crashed. I went to load the game back up, and it would not boot back up at all. Whatever I was trying to do, it just it would not load back up. So I have uh, I've ended up having to buy the game on Steam. So like I have a version <laughs> that I definitely know will not crash. Okay. But um, but it like it gives you some options. Well, within the game, like uh, eventually you can buy items where it will keep counting up the watts for like. 90 minutes after you close the game so like you're always collecting these watts so you can kind of progress to the next parts of the story uh, just a very unique experience that like is something that you don't have to do what i did like a madman and spend four fucking hours your saturday morning just looking at the screen like it's something you can come back to over a couple of days uh, and so i would recommend it just to see the the kind of experience the sort of very british humor that the game has um and just a very different kind of game uh, and also the soundtrack is fucking amazing um mm. like has a real kind of chilled out french electro vibe to it but it it picks the right moments so to build it's up more, what i'm getting is it's more well thought out than your garden variety clicker yeah absolutely which i suppose at a certain point those things have to be because otherwise it's just variations on a theme yeah uh it definitely i've come away from it like it, it's left a lasting impression on me uh, which i was not mm. expecting Mm-hmm. Um, so I would absolutely and I think it's I do think from what I've read in some of the reviews it's only about four or five hours or it's, it's not too long um, and it doesn't outstay its welcome and again it's only a couple of quid so <laughs> I would I definitely recommend having a look at it um, this week I've actually had a, my first proper go at playing Horizon Zero Dawn oh yeah okay yeah, so this is a game that came out two months I didn't realize two months since that game came out I was looking up when I got my first trophy for it from just like I think I played it for an hour or two the night it came out um, and then it was the same week Zelda came out yeah so Zelda has pretty much taken up a lot of my game playing time since um, but uh, I said look I'm kind of I'm, I'm I'm swearing myself off Zelda for a couple of weeks because I would happily play away for hours and hours more uh, just exploring the world mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to give myself a couple of weeks off one so I don't burn myself out and two because I've got a trip over for Super Strong Style coming up uh, okay. uh, in London and I'm going to bring the Switch with me so um, I, I figure I'll probably play a lot of it and Mario Kart then um, so I might put them on the, the back seat uh, for now same with Graceful Explosion Machine which I haven't really uh, touched that much of yet yeah um, but I said, all right, okay, I can play some more PS4 stuff, which I'd been kind of neglecting the PS4. The PS4 for the last while, as as I've had Zelda, has just been a Netflix machine uh, with a bit of FIFA thrown in there. But um, yeah, so I sat down with Horizon Zero Dawn ready for the first time, and I'd say I've played about five or six hours now. Um, and it's interesting. It's I can already tell I'm going to really love this game, um, that it's going to be fantastic. I don't think it's going to get... And I could be wrong again. I'm only in really embryonic phase of my experience with it, um. So I can't be entirely sure. I don't think it's going to get quite up to say, like the high water mark for games I've played on PlayStation Four so far, like the The Witcher or maybe uh, Shadows of Mordor or anything or or something like that. But um, it's an incredibly immersive world they have laid out in front of you that feels. A lot of these kind of... A lot of games that are either open-world uh, games with RPG elements or games that um, are post-apocalyptic in nature. Um, so a lot of zombie games or 
a lot of kind of uh, I'm trying to think what kind of some of the Far Cry games as well um, they're a big open world uh, and a sandbox but at the same time they don't feel like they feel like they're entirely fabricated for the length of time you're there they don't feel lived in is the kind of the 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 often used phrase to describe it um, but you definitely arrive uh, in this world of Horizon Zero Dawn with a sense of this world is it's well worn and it does have a depth to it and and a feel to it like it's it's not just um, it's not just some cool stories that are happening here and now and it's it, like it doesn't feel overly video gamey it feels genuinely like let's explore what's going on here and organically kind of figure things out and and, sure. and, and stuff like that um the graphically like if you're if you're look if there's people playing horizon zero dawn in your timeline on social media you don't need me to tell you that horizon zero dawn is one of the most gorgeous games that has ever been on a console like the photo mode on that thing really really shows it off um and it's the, the way it uses light and color um, in its palette and the way one of the things and because it, it is a watermark for graphical fidelity the, the way the hair moves is is incredible like there's a lot of animation going on in the hair it feels like they really should have been hyping up the hair animation Do you remember when Ar- Arkham Knight came out or one of the Arkham games and they're talking about how, you, how fucking animated this cape is yeah. oh there's so <laughs> many points that this cape billows and bends at um this the, the hair in this game is ridiculous um the the gameplay is far more challenging than i thought it would be um there's a lot more this is one of the ways in which it leans heavier towards an rpg rather than an action game like far cry there's a certain element to far cry is fun of those games i don't mean to bury far cry at all but there's a certain element to those games that with the rare exception uh, when you're heading out somewhere um, in a Far Cry game, once you have ammo, you're fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. you don't need... There's no real planning. Like, buy some bullets, forage some bullets, make sure you, you have health packs, and just go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot more strategy to your to what you're doing in Horizon Zero Dawn. Does it feel like there's more... The, the survival... The d- danger is fucking everywhere. Like yeah. genuinely, especially at first. I think I'm only at level eight, um, and I've only got my my first set of armor, which you get on the critical path. Like it kind of it opens up very broadly, but in the early phase of the game, it very much funnels you through the kind of sort of the tutorial stage and sort of the the setting the table for the story phase. Yeah. Um. But as it opens up, it's definitely a real danger is everywhere. And, like, your big battles don't re- necessarily require you to do, say, Witcher levels of preparation where you genuinely need to go find, like, uh, some stuff. You may need to find a page of parchment that teaches you how to make a thing to coat your weapons and something that helps you in a fight is not that level. But it certainly is a case of really pick your moments, pick your strategy, so you you have weapons like bows there are arrows with different elemental effects on them um there's your um what's called a triptych or something where it's uh, or a tripcaster that's what it's called 
the thing you might have seen in the promotional material where you're able to uh, basically put an electrified trip wire down you just hit the ground with two points with the wire it electrifies so the idea is you lure uh, a robot dinosaur into the trip wire they get paralyzed for a little while because of the electric shock and you can uh, if you click the R3 button to go into your Aloy vision as I like to call it uh, using her little headpiece uh, to highlight the the enemy you can spot its weak points and what it's weak against but um the enemies are bastard hard they're super aggressive on kind of like doom levels of super aggressive that once they see you they will not stop pursuing you for quite a while yeah like you can't really just run away um so you really have to if you're going somewhere you can't just go well i'm just going to trot along in the open and pick off every enemy i come across you're not going to be able to do that early on in the game at least um so you're gonna have to kind of creep around walk up like mountain ridges where they aren't there's these particularly annoying fuckers called watchers uh which are these guys who like their whole thing is they just they walk in a path which you can um you can look you you can use your vision to show its predictive path so you can figure out where it's going to be and dart in between bushes so it doesn't see you but if the watcher sees you it basically does the robot dinosaur version of hey guys she's here and everybody comes after you then um i'm on my first there's a thing called a cauldron which is basically their equivalent of a zelda type dungeon where you have to get to the core and fight uh, these cauldrons as they call them are seem to be where these like because i'm not sure what the mystery of everything is because you're kind of you're sort of trying to find um a figure from your past while also at the same time there's like a, a B story going on of trying to figure out how civilization got like this. Because obviously you know, you recognize machines and things like that being from like our modern times. But they're living basically prehistoric lives with these robot dinosaurs run, running around. So there's obviously some weird shit going down. Yeah. Um, Is it like like post-apocalyptic? It's post-post-apocalyptic. It's post-post-apocalyptic. Because it's like it. the apo- some sort of, something happened... And hundreds, if not thousands of years have passed since. So it has fallen into superstition and things like that. Like, they think AIs are gods. Yeah. They have no idea. No one remembers. There's no written record or anything of what the world was like. They don't know. Um, They don't know the words for things. Like, they, they like they call, like, metal cities, metal devils, things like that they use. Um, so the, the mystery of what's going on is really interesting. The The combat, like I said, is f- it's bastard hard at the start. It really is. Like, I'm coming across my first boss in the middle of one of these cauldrons, which, like I said, are kind of where the these dinos- robot dinosaurs seem to be coming from, getting built. And in the middle of my first one, I have found a boss. And it's really, really tough. I die a lot in this game. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't want to say it's quite on the level of Dark Souls, but it's certainly it's it's tougher than your average bear when it comes to an action RPG. The one criticism I would make before we move on is um has to do with the dynamic weather and uh, day night cycle that goes on in there. Um, I find it's a little bit weird, and maybe it's like although it doesn't really excuse it that it's because I'm moving around very quickly. But when I'm moving around, um, sometimes like there's weird little glitches in the the weather or the day night cycle. So if I move from one territory to another, suddenly, like 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 a light switch went on, it will 
they come much brighter. Okay. Um, Does it feel natural? No, it doesn't feel natural at all. Uh, the the night comes on a little bit too quickly for my liking. Like, it's not quite light switch, but it's very much, you know, 10 to 15 seconds. It goes from daytime to nighttime. It's not quite um, Metroid 2, uh, not Metroid, um, Castlevania 2. Tonight would be no. a terrible night for a curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and sometimes, the, the a couple of times I've noticed the weather goofing where I walked into my first cauldron and it was still raining inside. Okay. Even though there was no open space for rain to come there's, through. Um, um, those perfect. are like, apart from that, it's like it's a graphical masterpiece. But there's a couple of little hitches like that I've noticed. Does uh, Does Breath of the Wild have a day and night cycle? Yes. Yeah, and the, that feels and, oh, oh, that feels great. Yeah. Uh, but there's a fucker of a thing in that called the the Blood Moon. So Blood Moon. I've heard about every that. few nights the Blood Moon rises and all enemies you have killed uh, come back from the dead tougher. Right. Uh, for that Blood Moon, now you're actually able to skip them. Okay. Uh, the Blood Moon. Or you could just hide out or go to a campfire and sleep till morning till it's over. But it offers you, like, because the, if there's, like, an area where there had been a treasure chest, that treasure chest will come back with something cooler in it. Right. But you right. have to defeat the much harder it, enemies it's around good, it. It's good kind of risk for reward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives you kind of, like, every set of enemy encounters you can pretty much do twice in that game. But, uh, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn. It's very good. Couple of very little minor, like, hitches to it that I've noticed. But, uh,. Other than that, very much enjoying it. I'm really hoping I f- either figure out how to play this game better or the difficulty curve stops whooping me uh, soon enough because uh, I'm not going to drop a level on difficulty just to get through. I'm going to try and my best to endure. Anyway, should we talk about the news? Oh, got them. Let's go. News on the mark. Pray. Uh, came out last week and it's a game that were it not for my my diy escapades and a couple of little trips i've made i i would have i would have gotten into by now that was the game i was going to play before i um did a barbecue i mean today. you've got a backlog let's be fair so that's pretty much the only big one like everything else i've like at least gotten into it's more that my backlog is Getting over the finish line and fully uh, okay. completing games rather than starting them. Yeah, I've Brian got, has like I've got about four at the moment. Brian's got three folders on his uh, on I've seen it. I don't even PS4, want to think about where it's like a wealth of games he hasn't even started yet, but he bought them because they were in a sale. Uh, a wealth of games that he has dabbled in a little bit and wants to go back to. And another folder of games he's gotten most of the way through and just got distracted. Yeah, like I. I had to go up into his room the other day because he was trying to platinum the uh, Marvel uh, Lego. Yeah, yeah, He still hasn't done that. Man, that game came... That, that game was a launch game. That was my first platinum. Like he played, played a lot of Division last year. He's real bad at the um, the Silver Surfer races and that, from what I can recall. He said when it comes time to do those, I'm, I have to do them for yeah. him. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but, um, anyway, Prey. Yeah, Prey. So Prey came out, and most of the reviews I've read... At least from people that um that I would usually read reviews of, have made me pretty excited for it because it seems to be what I want from that game, which is like Bioshock in space. Sure, you know, um, not necessarily saying it's as good as Bioshock or Bioshock Infinite or anything like that, but that seems to be what it is, and people are saying it's it's pretty good that mm. they're that they're enjoying it so far. But the reviews, um, some of them have been quite mixed and. People uh, have been speculating as to why that might be, uh, and, and 
that really comes down to so for those of you who don't know bethesda who published this game it's it's made by arcane studios who are uh, under the bethesda umbrella so bethesda have uh was it with fallout 4 was the first or it was sometime around when fallout 4 came out fallout 4 may not have necessarily been the first one but i remember people talking about it i just i remember doom being the big where the big hoo-ha came about yeah um Um, so they have a policy that generally so if you if you don't know how it works um generally like with movies or anything like that critics uh reviewers will get a copy of the game in advance now there's no real hard and fast rule with it it kind of varies sometimes but it generally it's mutually beneficial because um if your game is good it gives the reviewer plenty of time to actually get into it understand that it's good get the word out before the public before the game is released gets a bit more publicity drummed up free of charge mm-hmm. makes perfect sense from the reviewer's point of view you like getting a game early because you don't want to rush through the game especially mm-hmm. if it's one of these big games like it seems prey might be um but bethesda have this policy now that people aren't getting review copies they get exactly one day before yeah. release which for most games in this day and age is not enough it's not even close to sufficient no. um generally like i'll like to me embargoes like in my head go up a week before mm. so like obviously if they go up a week before or three days before or whatever it's, they'll have yeah, had the game the before that yeah, yeah. Um, i mean like uh i think it was either kataka waypoint or someone had a, a review up today and they were saying like they got um, Persona 5 like a month before release. Yeah. Which you would need to have for a fucking game like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild, peop- I, I was reading reviews of that two weeks before the Switch came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, so Bethesda have, have done this, even though it's not a hard and fast rule because you will find influencers out there on the internet yeah. that have copies beforehand. Um, and, you know, Bethesda have, have backed this um, and they've used Doom as the kind of golden child of, of this project or this kind of philosophy of theirs uh, saying, hey, look, you know, Doom turned out great, which it yeah. did, but, and that's but also it, on the back of as well, the multiplayer uh, demo not being that good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in fairness, I would almost say that if they'd gotten the word out that that game was super good, it would have started, like, because I remember expectations being dampened significantly in the couple of weeks leading up to that game after that multiplayer beta, because people were like, oh, this is bad, you know? And it was, I didn't pick up that game day one. I wanted Doom. I, I love Doom, as I've gone on record many times before, but that multiplayer beta really soured me, and it wasn't until, like, several days afterwards when I started reading the word of mouth getting, like, going around like wildfire. I was like, okay. Yeah, and so I find it, interesting like it's surprising that professor have done this across the board because if they'd have done this with just the fallout games to me let's be honest the fallout games at launch and for about six months afterwards but even even though they are yeah even though they're technical messes um on console um generally speaking um i would think you would want people to have that early because those games are massive um, the cynic in me tells me that having a policy like this is because when they bring out something that's a dud, there's not enough time for the bad press to go around anymore. 
when the embargo's up. Well, that's the, the general theory, but yeah. they ha- have this for every game. Well, that's what so I mean. But, but, but then, like, see, if it's not for every game, then you know the ones that they will give you plenty of time for are the good ones. Yeah. And the ones where, like... So it'll be a red flag. It's it's kind of like when films aren't view, aren't screened for critics yeah, yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. It's generally it's a red flag that it's yeah. not very good. But as far as I can see, the hard and fast rule has been other than the uh, people through YouTube or whatever, whoever their their partners are. It's yeah. been consistent that everyone is getting the Bethesda games a day before. Yeah, launch. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, is that that means it hides it so that you don't yeah. know yeah. based on how far in advance people are getting it. But the the negative side of this from uh, the report here on MCV is that uh, the game is down 38% from the original Dishonored and 60% from the opening week of Dishonored 2. Yeah. Which is a complete fucking disaster. Yeah, especially because it's considering by most... Like, it's pretty good. And, like... Alright, fair enough. There are a lot of games that come out this year and it's been pretty busy, but the last two weeks, other than Mario Kart... Um, which you know, in fairness, pretty much everyone that has a Switch has bought that. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, there's been nothing major that I can think of for at least two, three weeks besides Mario Kart. Yeah. So you know, the, the, there's room there for them. Um, but this, as far as I can see, is is a bit of a disaster. And yeah, no, it's it's fucked it for two ways because right. So if the game comes out and it's good, like in this case, you've hobbled it in two ways. One is that a day is not enough like we've already said a day is not enough to review a game like this or, or to review a bigger game like most tr- most big studio games are not going to be you're not gonna be able to get the full kind of scope of it in one day and write a review at the same time yeah um the other side of things is as well as the reviews not being able and through no fault of the reviewer i'm not putting pegging this on a reviewer for not being able to get the work done quick enough um, through no fault of your own. Um, in addition to that, you don't blame reviewers for being a little bit sour, even if they're not intending to be, because they had to rush through this fucking game. That if they stopped, if they had enough time to stop and smell the flowers, would be able to appreciate well, it more. Well, it's not just that, but you've got, and I don't know exactly who, but you had reviews coming out exactly twenty four hours after the game had been given to. Uh, like in time for the release yeah. and it's like there's, there's no one who can do play a game that you know has should we say at minimum an eight hour campaign yeah. then do a review and have it be either edited and, and approved and uh, you know have yeah. it be whatever just yeah. it's just not gonna work and some places which will have reviews go by like a second person to confirm that it's because like, people do take scores seriously at some websites oh, sure? as hard as it will be for some folks to believe yeah uh so i just look uh, they seem to be sticking to this maybe this game will be or maybe the sales of this game will make them kind of think replan this strategy mm. but it's because uh, the other half of the uh, strategy seemed really good because like a lot of their marketing for the game looked cool uh the trailers the um the idea that they put the first hour of the game out as a demo was a really good idea like uh, we're, we're pro demo on this show yep, as we've said yep, before yep. Um, it's just disappointing because uh, word of mouth from reviews is a good way to get, like I said, a bit of PR and to maybe boost people going, oh, I might check this out now. Now, we have also said that, uh, I think we said recently that more developers and publishers 
are not specifically looking at just the first week sales. You know, there's mm-hmm. the two week sales, then there's like six months. And so Bethesda may be looking at that and definitely going with this banking on the word of mouth. Um, but still, like 60% down on Sonic 2 from last year is not a good sign. Yeah. However you want to slice it. Not at all. Uh, in the worst kept secret in quite some time, uh, Platinum Games' cult classic Vanquish is confirmed for PC. And it's coming out this month, 25th of May. Happy? You're, you're, you're the, the Platinum Games correspondent of the cast, relatively speaking. Yeah, I need a PC. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really need a fucking PC. Well, apparently that uh, Bayonetta port runs really well. I, I know your issue is down to Mac as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently that that um, bayonetta port works pretty well without yeah, needing too much horsepower. Yeah, like uh, I I was tempted to go. I wonder would it work on my laptop? I already own bayonetta, so I'm not buying it. <sighs> um, um, yeah, I if I had a PC, like I'd be buying this yesterday. Um, and it gives me more motivation that hopefully, I don't know if I can save up the pennies within the next year and get myself a PC. Um, what would be really good is to have a, a a PS4 port of Vanquish, but you know. Well, maybe that's next. Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, who knows? Um, EA, um, the the kind of often maligned uh, standard evil corp- evil so. corporation trope in video games. Um, they believe that uh, 40% of console game sales will be downloads by the end of 2017. Uh, I can say from my own kind of uh, personal consumption of games that I would probably say the percentage is much higher for me personally. Yeah. Um, I don't really buy physical games that often. My general policy is if it's a game... Well, obviously, if it's a small game, I don't really have a choice in the matter. When it's a game that's definitely given a retail release on day one, um, if I think it's something I'm going to keep and that I'm not inclined to trade it in, I'll get it digitally because it is much more convenient and our internet is pretty robust here. Uh, But if it's something I think, I'm going to play this for a little while, probably get rid of it. Then I get it physical so that I can trade it away then. But uh, yeah, I get a lot of games digitally. It's, yeah. it's real convenient, and like having them unlock at midnight if is a cool little thing to be able to do. Like preload it and unlock it at midnight if you happen to be around and doing nothing when a big game comes out. It saves me having to go outside, and, you know, exactly queue outside a GameStop or anything. Yeah, but an interesting comment by um, from the the press call uh, was that they expect EA expects that the 40% figure like they will actually be behind on that and they purely put that down to the kinds of games that they sell because you know they, you think of the big seller for EA is FIFA yeah. and um, I, I would say that it's a fair shout that the people still buying FIFA like kind of by and large um, will be either you know parents buying it for the kids from who, your local obviously. supermarket yeah um, or just you know casual gamers who just you know yeah. pick it up on the way back from work yeah. or whatever yeah. So, um, but yeah, you mentioned that Battlefield One did really well when it comes to uh, downloads. Um, yeah, like the, we've we've had this conversation many many times about physical versus uh, digital, and obviously digital is the way that the industry will go. I don't think it's going to be as quick as some people predict. No, because not everybody would be adept at like I am switching out hard drives. You know. Um, yeah a lot of people 
who just buy a console don't want to delve it. Like, it's not that hard to do on PlayStation uh, now. And especially since they added, like, I know it, it's kind of, it, it's it's annoying, but now that they have external hard drive support, it's even easier uh, in some respects. Like, it would be annoying for me to have another device plugged in there and for the additional boot time to get a game off. Yeah, the, and, like, but... I, I don't think, I mean, it'll be curious to see. I, I'm really curious to see how the Switch does at the end of the year for physical versus digital, mm. just because of the storage capacity of the Switch. Yeah. Um, that Yeah, that one, that's something I want to yeah. keep an eye on. Same time, that is a much more convenient, like, it has the most convenient method of expand. It has the lowest internal memory but has the most convenient method of expanding it of because course. just buy an sd card a micro sd card and it will slot in yeah, yeah and it's yeah. not proprietary or anything like yeah. that so yeah interesting um to see where that one goes um speaking of ea so we got a, a couple of stats from ea here that i thought were interesting um battlefield one did very well for itself uh so if you remember rightly last year um, the thing that makes this um, this little stat that I'm about to give uh, even more impressive is that Battlefield came out, Battlefield 1, it was not only a departure from the kind of super fast, uh, quasi-futuristic first-person shooters that have been the kind of the go-to for the last couple of years. So it was a real departure from that, back to boots on the ground and trench warfare, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it also came out in the same two-week span as Call of Duty and Titanfall 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say that Titanfall 2 was the uh, the loser out of those three. Yeah, which is a shame because it's probably the best game. Uh-huh. Um, apparently more than 19 million people have played Battlefield 1, which is quite a quite a little stat there. It's an excellent game, so I'm very happy uh, with that. And I think hopefully that encourages DICE to take more risks with that franchise. Um, now, because... what, what do they mean exactly by 19 million people? What is that stat? Because that's not them saying 90 pe- million people purchased the game. No, uh it's so it's um they have it's not 19 million concurrent players at the moment it's never been 19 million players playing it the whole time but during the whole thing's lifetime it they have had 19 million players as you pointed out that this could be um partly a case of like someone is loaning the game to somebody else so that adds a player that you know didn't necessarily buy the game has battlefield one had like a free weekend i don't i i read another article about this i don't think they counted that okay um i think it was just people who actually installed the full game and right, played right, it. Right, right. um but the thing that like for their own internal stats that is important it was it that kind of little 19 million stat is up uh, 50% from Battlefield 4 in the same period, yeah. which is a very disappointing game. And it's a good number for stakeholders and whatnot to hear. Absolutely you know? is. Uh, meanwhile, FIFA 17 saw more than 21 million players during the financial year, which I have much <laughs> less problem believing because FIFA is the juggernaut in yeah. its genre. Um, funnily enough, and this I thought, so did one of the key features of FIFA this year, and I'm not going to turn this into FIFA cast yet again, I'm very conscious of when I do that, uh, you'll remember that the key kind of departure for FIFA this year was this single player mode called The Journey, where and you played not, as. Not virtual Jose Mourinho. Yeah, which is this kind of like um, sort of Dream Team esque, but not quite as campy uh, story of one guy coming up from the Youth Academy to uh, succeed and win the FA Cup his grandfather did, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, they managed to pull stats that uh, out of the 21 million players that played this game, over 12 million, 12 million of them played the journey. So that's, I think that's a, a good endorsement. Uh, 
and hopefully will encourage them. I know FIFA 18 is going to have the journey part too. They've already confirmed that. Yeah. I, but I, I really hope that games like this do a, a cool mode like that. Like I used to love... Um, one of my cool favorite weird features was uh, the SmackDown games every year, trying to enjoy like what sort of weird story mode have well, they yeah, put but, in when but, they tried to write original storylines? Yeah, but story storylines is integral to wrestling, where obviously yeah. it's not the case well, with the, football. Well, in football, it's the narrative, well, as yeah, we say. Yeah, all right, whatever. You know, um, I still find it kind of amazing that like that's almost half of the f- the player base hasn't played the journey. Mm, you know. Yeah. But then again, like, the, but think about how big Ultimate, no, like, people, yeah, there are I, people I, who will only ever play Ultimate Sure, team I totally that get game. that, yeah, but, yeah. like, that, that is a thing there that surely you want to at least have a look at what it is, you mm. know? Yeah, that, that's that's what I would think, but yeah. then again, like, I'm a kind of, I, I spend 90% of my time in that game in career mode. Like, I'll dip into every single mode over the course of the year, Yeah. but career mode is what I buy that but game also, for, so I can't really criticize, you know, you use it for what you want, there's yeah, a bunch also, of different modes. You're an avant-garde gamer, you know? Huh? Yeah, that's that's me. That's yeah. yeah, coming from all different angles, yeah. man. Um, moving on from uh, EA, a little bit of controversy this week about Mario Kart that I've been reading. Uh, Jim Sterling, who we're a fan of on this show, did a whole Jimquisition about this. Um, you haven't sat down with Mario Kart Eight Deluxe yet, but are you familiar with the particular controversy I'm going to go on? Yes, with? I'm aware of it. So, um, and I'm fucking amazed that this is controversial. Yeah. So, um. There's a popular trope kind of in the internet gaming community about how games just aren't difficult anymore, you know. Which is bollocks made for, for a start. You know, it's like the thing Simon Miller always jokes about. Is Nintendo is for babies. Yeah. Um, and, like, I remember a, a bit of a to-do being done about, as Jim Sterling mentions in his video, about the, the basically, the, this, the immortal, invincible mode on, on Mario 3D World. Yeah. Where you get the, the gold leaf and you pretty much just can't die. Mm-hmm. And you run through the whole level. Um, and Mario Kart 8 has included Auto Accelerate and uh, Automatic Steering, I think the two modes are called. Where basically, so Auto Accelerate means that your cart will automatically accelerate uh, without you having to touch, like to hammer down the A button. And then power steering is that, or the automatic steering is that if you start like veering off into the hedges or going to hit a wall or something like that, it will automatically correct you. Now these, by the way, these modes are, you can toggle them so they don't have to be on by any stretch of the imagination, but the things you're allowed to do. And as soon as I saw it, like it was kind of weird at first because the auto steering is defaulted to being on when you start the game. Um, at least on 50cc anyway because I like to go up through the, the ranks and win the cups at every single level going up um, so yeah it was a little bit weird at first then I realised what it was and I immediately thought about it and went oh that's kind of cool because in my head the thing I immediately go to is um, for disabled gamers like some people don't have two working hands where they can dedicate one to just holding down the A button yeah like, some gamers might prefer... Like, even some lazy people might prefer to not have to hold down the A button the whole time to have their right hand free. And also some five-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. but there's the, And that's what the power steering comes in for. Like, uh, for younger gamers who are, like, finding it difficult. Some of those tracks, let me tell you, are not uh, conducive to younger gamers. Rainbow Road is <laughs> not a fun time for no, people. No, Um... So yeah, that's what I thought of, but yeah, this really kicked off this week. People uh, look, really going on look, about uh, shite hawks are shite hawks, and 
that's yeah like it doesn't you know. make the game any less difficult for you it's not making you put this mode on and in online mode you can't just leave power steering on as jim sterling demonstrated if you don't touch the controller for 40 seconds it boots you from the session yeah and even if you just like tacitly gonna just talk like just kind of wave a stick so that it doesn't disconnect from the session um if you have the auto accelerate and the 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 auto steer on you will finish last in in online matches that are difficult um and even in kind of offline mode at the higher cc's you you will still get missed um so this to me is is no controversy and as well because these games come out and exist in parallel with games that are very fucking difficult so if you want games that are difficult they are still out there for you to me it's nice that darrow breen used to have a bit back in the day about how video games are the only media that um punish you for not being good at something by not giving you the rest of the thing you've yeah, already paid yeah. money for. Like, you don't hear... You, like, at the end of a chapter of Harry Potter, they don't give you a quiz and you get the question wrong, the book snaps shut <laughs> and won't let you read the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to kind of, one, give disabled gamers or younger gamers um, a way to make life a bit easier so they can enjoy the full experience of the game. And then uh, on the other side of things, it's kind of... It, it's nice that if you hit a wall in a game... To know that you can get past it, that there is a kind of like a, a sort of cop out, like let's just get get past this point I'm stuck on, and I can still see the rest of it. Metal Gear Solid Five had that. Yeah. It has a like a simple mode where you kind of you, you get this chicken hat where you can be spotted three times and they still won't see you, and then once you've been spotted three times, the thing then is, they can is, see you. I, like games are, um, you're finding more games that are finding like creative ways of having a difficulty setting without like actually inherently having a difficulty setting um and you know mario kart has that with like 50 100 150 cc but this is another thing as well which is great for for kids but i'm honestly more offended that we're actually having to have this conversation than the fact that this thing exists yeah yeah, i just Uh, brought it up because it's very silly it is very very silly yeah um (laughs) tekken scoops i was not necessarily expecting so there's been two players banned from uh, a tekken tournament talk to me about this Mark, well, there's been a couple of very silly sausages here. I've I've never seen They've this. They've done an Athlone Town. I've I've never seen this before in the fighting game or esports community. Probably in I don't know some fucking, uh, just in Syria. Probably football. in in <laughs> some Dota matches happen at some point. But yeah, for Namco Namco have banned two players from the Tekken Seven UK Championships after accusations that they colluded to throw a match. Uh, it was alleged that uh, Justin Nelson and uh, Charmel C. Crizzle Coloco, as a name, uh, in their third <laughs> match uh, in last week's Birmingham qualifier. Uh, apparently, it was quite suspicious. Um, the odd behaviour during the match was even noted by the commentators at the time, while the Twitch t- chat quickly filled with wild accusations. It certainly seemed as if Namco had seen enough to be convinced that something was amiss. Uh, both players have vehemently denied the accusations, but they're not in the tournament, so what? Uh Yeah, I, I've never heard of anything in esports of this nature before. Um, it's it's nice to know that kind of fixing it it makes its way into all sports eventually. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> everything. Everything could eventually. Everything's a work. Exactly. It's great. Yeah, once you don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. <laughs> um, among the most tantalizing things we saw this week for people with a, a bit of a soft spot for the retro in us is the cover art 
for the Wipeout Omega. Well, it's not quite the cover art. It's it's a cover slip, I think, would be more a more appropriate term uh, for the Wipeout Omega collection that is uh, coming very soon. Uh, Mark, do you want to talk about how how much love and how many erections there were when you saw this? <laughs> well, there's not really a lot to say, but. Um... What have they done? Tell, tell well, us basically, done. there's a classic sleeve for the for the the physical copy, physical version of Wipeout Omega Collection, and it's basically it just it looks like a uh, PS One case, although it's more rectangular than square, um, because obviously you know it's a PS Four case, not PS One case, uh, but it looks like a PS One case, um, and you know go and have a look online, you you'll find it. If you put in Wipeout Omega Collection, it's probably the but it has like the kind of um, classic black uh, rim on on the left hand side, and it has the classic PS One font with the the black uh, backgrounds on the, the side. Yeah. Um, it's it's just yeah, it's very very cool, very very much like it. Yeah, good times. I remember Dead Island too. Not really, no. So I want to say about three years ago, I remember watching. Um, the thing about Dead Island, um, I still think Dying Light is a much better execution of pretty much that exact idea. Um, but the thing about Dead Island has always been the the ads for it, the commercials for it are fantastic. The the Dead Island one, uh, ad the the Dead Island two that was at the E three about three years ago, I want to say, was really fun, which is a guy kind of like a kind of um a. just this douchebag guy with a zombie bite in his arm jogging around as the world goes to fuck behind him um is dead island the game that had the pre-order bonus of the uh, limbless torso oh i think it might have been yeah Yeah, yeah. fuck this game then yeah um so deep silver are putting this game out and um it's funny <laughs> so this game was teased three years ago i remember brian went down and put an order on straight away because he loved dead island uh, didn't like dead island riptide the sort of quasi sequel uh too much but he was really excited for dead island 2 put the put the pre-order on it it got delayed and then things went like super quiet from deep silver for a long time and it's literally been as this Eurogamer story points out um it's been over a year since we've actually heard anything about it but deep silver kind of popped their heads up this week to go yeah still exists and i thought this had been one of those things like scalebound um on xbox one they stopped talking about it and quietly cancelled yeah uh, and then it wasn't until ages later that they went oh yeah scalebound's done for see i so i thought that was gonna be another one of these i honestly just thought dead island 2 was an actual game that had already been released yeah that's how but like you see because either not long after or not long before I think it was after Dead Island 2 had been announced Dying Light came out and went ah oh, this is what was supposed to happen the sure. first time because the people who made the first Dead Island that made uh, Dying Light uh, they're out on their own they're doing their, their own thing um, and I was like oh this this is the uh, game it doesn't have the kind of the multiplayer chaos element but um, it, it's still a great game Um yeah, so if you're a Dead Island 2 fan, lucky you, the game still exists, I suppose. What form it will take after it presumably comes out of development hell, who knows. I wait with great anticipation. Speaking of games um, that have been delayed for quite a while, uh, I love this one. So this is about um, The Walking Dead. So Telltale Games Walking Dead is, uh, season one is a great adaptation of the comic books. 
uh, it's well, it's own it's its own original story, but it's it's very reminiscent of the comic books, is what I mean to say. Um, and apart from that, there was a game called Dead, uh, The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. I don't know if you've ever seen this on a shelf that, that came was out. The one that was really bad. Yes, it came out around the same time, and it actually had characters from yeah. the 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 show and the comics. Uh, I think it's Merlin Daryl. I think it was centered around. I could be wrong on that. Uh, and yeah, that was garbage. Um, there's another there's another studio that in 2014 a studio called Overkill that announced they were doing a Walking Dead game, uh, and it has been a long long time again. And everybody assumed that game was dead in the water. It was announced in 2014. That's how long ago it was. That is three years ago. Like by the time it comes out, it will be over four years since it had been announced. Because they have now come out and said not only does it exist, but it's coming out at the end of 2018. Fucking. <laughs> As I out, if you want to get a perspective on how long ago it was, back in 2014, Germany won the World Cup. The first Guardians of the Galaxy film came out and Overkill announced The Walking Dead game. Since then, Germany have failed to win the Euros. The second Guardians of the Galaxy came out and Overkill's The Walking Dead has suffered two more delays. What's um, what's the deal with the television series? Like, how much longer is that going on for? Um, the comics haven't finished yet, so... Oh, sorry, it's just... It's... And there's plenty of them still. Like, they, they haven't caught up with the comics yet. Like... The Game of Thrones show has overtaken the amount of books that have come out. So now it is spoiling the books before the books have been written. Because George Railroad Martin, who uh, wrote the books, has kind of told the guys what happens after the books that have been published. Uh, okay. There's still, I think, two books left to come out in that series. I have to say, with with The Walking Dead, like I, I appreciate it as a concept. Mm-hmm. But surely there's only so many times you can go, here's some people, some of them will probably die... Yeah. Season one of that show, that show is always great when it has an aim yeah. and it seems to have a purpose. Season one is fantastic television because it looks like right here is the end goal. You know they're going to get to the, the CDC is a big goal in in thing in uh, season one. Try and find out how this happened and how to fix it. It goes real aimless in season two. I really didn't like season two. And after that, the only seasons that have been good are when there's a really, really good uh, antagonist in it. Yeah. So the governor in season three slash season four, he was uh, played by Britain's own, um, what's his name? That's going to drive me mad. Look it up later. Um, he's an Englishman anyway, and he played the governor in it. And he was, he was really, really goddamn good. And ne- then a couple of seasons of kind of, I'm only kind of watching it because I always have watched it. David Morrissey. David Morrissey. I was going to say Neil Morrissey. I was like, no, that's men behaving badly. <laughs> and Bob the Builder. Oh, boy. Oh, that would be weird, wouldn't it? Man, but that, you know, it would be even weirder than that. Oh, can cannon. he kill it? Yes, he can. Did, did, you, did you hear my other? No. Uh, Neil Buchanan. Neil Buchanan. Ah, <laughs> yes. Follows me on Twitter. Yeah. We... <laughs> You know, you've told me that at least four times. Yeah, but you still just so fucking yeah. weird, man. <laughs> fucking love our attack. <laughs> um, yeah, the the Walking Dead TV show is real weird. Like it's it's kind of a bit it was a bit better when um Negan came into it because he's a really good antagonist and a real like psychotic son of a bitch. But it's still kind of I'd really appreciate if they started heading towards some final goal very soon. People are starting to wear out of it now after yeah. seven seasons, funnily enough. At least Game of Thrones. I think Game of Thrones, if that keeps going on... Uh, now, granted, that has been a more consistently excellent program than The Walking Dead ever was. But if Game of Thrones just kept going and had no end point, 
Um, I feel like people would get tired of it eventually, but the fact that now they're definitely heading towards the end game, there's only two seasons left of that, that it won't outstay its welcome too much. Okay. Um, so what will finish first or what will happen first this game will come out all that television well no, the way television works in America is like you get six episodes and then there's like fucking a year between the next six yeah. episodes so yeah. that'll probably be going on for I, a while I'll tell you one thing that I would be fairly confident on I think both the remaining series of Game of Thrones and this Walking Dead game will come out before the next Game of Thrones uh, Song of Ice and Fire book gets released because okay. that's how long George Railroad Martin has been fucking dragging his arse on that book <laughs> I uh, mean the pressure's on him in fairness a little bit uh, I need to show. There's something I have to show you afterwards related to that. That's funny. Um, really, Injustice Two. That's a game. Uh, I'm I'm not picking up on day one, but I am excited to eventually pick that up when it's on sale. Um, yeah, I like. I new really like the first games. One. I like what Neverrealm Studios have done over the last five years. I really like the the story mode in Injustice One. It yeah. tells a really cool Earth Two story. Yeah. Um, and the, the combat was good. It looked good. Uh, really like Injustice 1. Injustice 2 is coming uh, relatively soon and has announced that one of its first DLC characters is one Sub-Zero. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, it's never on Studios. Yeah, so. so that kind of thing is going to happen. There's going to be a bit of overlap. And they can finally do what they were meant to do with that fucking uh, DC versus Mortal Kombat game, which was just... Except real good. Yeah, I don't know. This time. Um... Sure, okay. Yeah, so you're getting Sub-Zero, Red Hood, who's a cool uh, Batman universe dude, and Starfire as part of your first uh, Who or fighter what is pack. a Starfire? Uh, put it this way, even I'm not sure. Well. So that'll tell you. That Although is... I'm like way less able to tell you about kind of deep cuts in the DC universe. Yeah, but I'd like to think universe. you have a, a pretty Definitely good... more than you. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I def- more than your I average know. bear, but I, I couldn't tell you about... Uh, um, Starfire. I got, I, I got nothing. But yeah, Sub Zero, pretty cool. Tell you what, now, I love, had, it's contra- it's a controversial take around this house, but Sub Zero is my favorite Mortal Kombat character. Tell you what, if they had Star Fox in it, oh, Wolf Fox McLeod, fucking with his metal robot legs, taking a, an air wing and just flying it through someone, love it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, we're a Scorpion household here by majority vote because you and Dan both love Scorpion, don't you? I'm angry of a fuck. But it, it, I just I'll, like more combat. Yeah, yeah, but like, kind of, you both main as Scorpion at times. Um, um, no. Whereas I'm, I'm a Sub Zero guy, Th- through and through. I, I'm I'll probably more you. cool now. I'll, I'll die for Sub Zero, man. That's yeah. that's how I'm, I'm okay. committed to the cause. Right. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I'm still not buying Fucking it, fanboy. Yeah, I'm still not buying it. Like, I'll probably eventually pick up like a Game of the Year edition that has everything uh, in it. It is the thing. Like, to be honest, it doesn't matter that. Um, He's he's a downloadable character because I've never bought a fucking DLC character from yeah. one of those games before. Because I think the last just... Mortal Kombat didn't have like um, Leatherface. And... Leatherface. It had uh, uh, Predator. Uh, I think it fucking had the Xenomorph. Xenomorph, yeah, it does yeah. Um, Jason, I think, was a character mm-hmm. as well. Yes, and to be fair, I, I'm fine with all of them because they're proper kind of gimmicky characters, yeah. and that's grand. Yeah, it's like with the UFC game having Bruce Lee in it. Yeah, and yeah. Mike Tyson. Exactly, it's kind of weird and fucked up, like. Um, but also at the same degree, like if you're gonna go down that path, go fucking full out gimmicky and have a Star Fox. Come mm-hmm. on, give me give me Bayonetta in Mortal Kombat. How about that? Take a trip with me, Mark Robinson. Our last news story of this week is going to Konami Garner. Fuck Konami. 
Sadly, not the usual uh, comedic garbage fire that is Konami this week, but we have a follow-up to the uh, the Konami and Diego Maradona saga. Uh, this comes from MCV UK. There's been an unlikely turnaround in the relationship between Argentine football legend Diego Maradona and Pez publisher Konami. Just last month, the pair were embroiled in a public row over likeness rights, but now it seems that a long-term partnership has been forged. Kotaku reports that not only have the pair settled out of court with an agreement which sees Maradona paid for the use of his likeness, but also that the sporting legend has agreed to act as an ambassador for the game until 2020. And if you ever want to see, like, if there's ever anything more perfect, it's this symbiotic relationship of absolute scam artists just clinging on to each other to avoid sinking down the drain of relevance. I wonder how much cocaine he was paid in. I, I'm not sure once they didn't, like, leave a payment from in Italy where they keep taking his jewellery when he goes through airports, which is my favourite thing ever. Jesus. Um, yeah. Uh, Good for them. Super weird. Like, I, it's weird they got something out of it because, like, with Diego Maradona, my assumption was he just wants a pile of cash and then he can fuck off. What? But I suppose I... it's a pile of cash and then subsequent <laughs> piles of cash to be their ambassador, yeah. so. He's done all right out of this. What does he care? Yeah, he's loving it. <laughs> El Diego, eh? He got one over on Konami, which is more than any of us can say. Uh, It's time for us to go to Link the Cast Book Club, that feature every week where we talk about a famous game from the past uh, that either uh, we think you should play or that you should play again. And we're going to talk through it this week. I have picked the game, Mark Robinson, and uh, it is Donkey Kong Country. Donkey Kong Country is a 1994 platforming video game developed by Rare and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It was first released in November 1994 under the name Super Donkey Kong in Japan. The game was later re-released for Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Wii Virtual Console, Wii U Virtual Console and the new Nintendo 3DS with a perfect pixel mode. The game is set on Donkey Kong Island and centres around Donkey Kong and his nephew Diddy Kong who must recover their stolen hoard of bananas from King K. Rule and the Kremlings. Development of the game first began shortly after Rare's Tim and Chris Stamper ran experiments with a Silicon Graphics workstation rendering realistic 3D sprites. Nintendo became interested in Rare's work and soon acquired 49% of the company which culminated in uh, the production of a new title using Alias and SGI technology for the SNES console. The Stamper Brothers expressed an interest to create a standalone Donkey Kong game and assembled a team of 12 to work on the game over an 18-month development cycle. Donkey Kong Country, Mark. Um, 
Where to start on this one? Um, I kind of made a joke about it in the intro to the show. This is kind of like the Mario game for people who hate themselves. Uh, and it, it is very much... It's a significant game, both in terms of the history of Nintendo and the history of Rare. We, yep. We've got... Uh, it's an important game for the forging what would be, of what would be an important partnership in our childhood. Yep. Um, that of Nintendo and Rare. Um, and it, it is, at its heart... A, a platforming game with a bit of kind of a, a more of a there's some more collecty elements than you would get in a your average Mario game, but I, I think the the one thing that we will hit on over this that kind of separates it from Mario is that Donkey Kong Country games are fucking hard as nails, <laughs> relatively speaking. Uh-huh. Like I think it it's it's nicely in the middle, maybe leaning slightly more towards if you have a spectrum that at one end is Mario and at the other end is Mega Man. You've got Donkey Kong somewhere there well, in the middle, slightly more on the difficult side. Not to say Mario is always easy by any stretch of imagination. Um, maybe Sonic you'd put at the, the, the thing is the thing is with because Mega Man the difficulty with that is that's more a projectile based platforming game yes. where Donkey Kong is is you know pure platforming if yeah. you will. Um, jump but, on platforms, jump on heads. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. uh, but let me tell you, as the platforming prodigy here at Link to the Cast. Indeed. This fucking, is right in your wheelhouse, my friend. Donkey Kong Country is a fucking hard game. Yeah, and it's a kind of... it. Donkey Kong Country, the, the name, the brand, has become synonymous with heartache. Yeah, <laughs> in difficulty. Going right up to Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze on the Wii U, which is one of the more difficult games I've played in, in the last several years. And But it's amazing that you think about um, just the, the relationship that was formed between, and as you mentioned, like this kind of pivotal game and the partnership formed between Nintendo and Rare. And, you know... So many of my favourite games growing up and still uh, have come from that partnership. Yeah, uh, but... You know, Donkey Kong in its original incarnation was the the classic arcade game by Nintendo yeah. with Donkey Kong and Jumpman. Yeah, it's it's funny how like things went that it was kind of like Jumpman becomes Mario and that becomes a whole thing like an era defining brand in video games, and kind of almost as an afterthought later, rare come back to the Donkey Kong idea. The guy who was the original like star of that game, shall we say? Yeah. Um, the two key things about Donkey Kong Country that stick out, even in 2017, is A, how solid the game is as a platformer, mm. and B, just the way that game looks. Yeah, you know, the, we talked about the, the, the realistic looking 3D sprites that they'd kind of experimented with the, the Silicon Graphics workstation. Like, for me, it, there is no other game that looks like this no. game. You know, it's It's like controlling a cartoon you know like with kind of like a 3d animated well, cartoon it, it's kind of like, like it feels alive it, yeah. it doesn't feel like just static sprites with just kind of limbs that it, have a, a running animation it actually feels like the character is moving it feels like it could be claymation but it's not clay it's it's something else yeah, yeah. it does it feels alive um yeah. and and it's funny because it wouldn't be for nearly another generation after that where games were routinely getting that down, like feeling like actual natural movement. Yeah. Because the the polygonal era, there's a lot of great stuff about it, but 
There's, there's 100% realistic step, movement is not a thing. There's a few steps forward and a few steps back. Yeah, and a few yeah. steps sideways. Um, but me, as as a five-year-old, came to this game and was like, I have never seen anything like this mm. before. You know, the, the the use of like the 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 color palette, the shading that's going on in that game as well. Like, there's some really strong kind of oranges and yellows and even blacks that kind of really pop the background out, which I think then accentuates the, the 3d sprite yeah like there are things going on in the background in the middle ground the foreground the, the key thing about it is depth you yeah. know and i can't remember depth of field and depth of kind of richness of i can't it. remember off the top of my head how much it dives into it but like um one of the things about the nintendo that like developers had to work ways around is the game doesn't have parallax scrolling where you have mm. the game scrolling at the front of you in the foreground and in the background it's scrolling at like a different uh, pace if you yeah. will um gay uh, developers had to find ways around that and you know to tr- kind of trick your perception of, of depth essentially um but donkey kong country like the, the level of depth and what you can see in the background and even in the foreground and like the uh, the platforms that you kind of go up and down, you know, it's just this whole 3D, it's a, a kind of pseudo 2.5D platformer, you mm. know, it is purely a 2D platformer, but it has all of the effects of being a, a 3D platformer in 1994, yeah. you know, um, and just the way the characters animate and move, and how everything alive it feels you know it's it is the predecessor to what would end up being crash bandicoot essentially in the kind of settings and and the aesthetic if you will um and to be fair like the original crash bandicoot still holds up pretty well for like yeah mechanically it definitely does it doesn't doesn't look as good as donkey Kong country does by any stretch no this is the thing like this game came out what two three years earlier and looks that on a console better. significantly less powerful yeah and we have spoken about this a number of times and we said this on the very first episode but some of those super nintendo games truly have a timeless feel to them visually yeah, yeah. you know if i were to if if i were to say what what console has the most timeless library it would be snes in a heartbeat probably yeah um another thing that's uh the synonymous with the donkey Kong country franchise uh still to this day is music uh-huh. um and this is no exception this is this is where this all comes from um so this the soundtrack to this game is composed by david wise who uh, composed a majority of it uh with uh, evelyn fisher and robin beanland also contributing um he started making it as a freelance musician didn't actually work for rare at the time and assumed during the whole process where he was just dicking around with the, the what the technology would allow him to do uh creating uh, the, the kind of the, the living soundtrack to this jungle setting he assumed during the whole process that he was going to be replaced by a Japanese composer yeah. on the game because it was kind of like Donkey Kong even though there hadn't been like like we said Mario was the the, the the franchise for Nintendo Donkey Kong historically is a very important title and brand to Nintendo yeah, so he but- thought you know the, Japan- the Japanese guys are going to come in here and they're going to go hey this is nice this but is we got thing, our though. own guy the key thing is because this game wasn't overseen by shigeru miyamoto you yeah know? yeah um so that in itself is, is incredible that mm. nintendo would be so kind of yeah offhand he still had his licenses. eyes on it obviously as well, he course. has his eyes everywhere all the time of course um but yeah it was very much a especially by his own standards it was very hands-off yeah 
uh yeah i mean throughout the donkey kong series um music has been an integral and and key part of that experience um and just across the board from aquatic ambience to just the intro song the kind of key theme music uh, of the game it's so memorable to the, like the generation of people who played it um but I, I hear themes from donkey kong country popping up everywhere you know like i'll be listening to there's several podcasts i listen to that will just use classic video game music uh, and donkey kong features prominently in it, like osw love a reference to donkey kong country music yeah. um Cinema Swirl's theme song is inspired by the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack. Um, different things like that. Like, it really is, it's properly iconic. And one of the things I like about it, and I make a comparison to Super Mario World, is that it takes that core, takes that core theme, and it manipulates and twists it uh, with different, songs throughout the game yeah it's it's also like for the what you're hitting on there like for the time for 1994 it's a fairly diverse soundtrack yeah you know in 1994 a lot of it was kind of okay we've got two or three songs for this game cut and paste cut and paste cut and paste maybe change it a little here or there but donkey kong is definitely like it's a for the time it's a it's a deep and uh, interesting sounding yeah thing where they've they've changed around yeah but the, the thing with it is that it takes that core theme and you know throughout yeah. the game you will hear it in different versions different keys um and you know that in itself is a very difficult and ingenious thing when pulled off and pulled off correctly uh to you know because it plays in your mind you know mm. um and it sticks with you long long after and that's what makes the soundtrack so memorable is that it, it takes that you know uh do 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 and kind of works a bit and twists Turns it on its head and, um yeah. yeah it's an incredible incredible soundtrack um like for you where, where was your uh, first time experiencing donkey kong country yeah so like the snares is it like because a lot of these games would have come out because i'm slightly younger than you yeah um the the thanks for the reminder sorry like only slightly but it's even in that like year and a half or so it's uh some things get missed so that like the snes wasn't really a current thing for me because when this game came out i would have been three to four years old no, four years old four years old i was fucking blasting yeah. through alex kid at four years yeah, old. yeah so this is the thing like I, I didn't really have much of an interaction with games at this point like i said the first game i played would have been around this time and it wasn't donkey Kong country it was doom yeah um <laughs> so i started weird and like my first proper console that i had that was mine that wasn't somebody else's that I played a thing on here or there was the Nintendo 64. So a lot of SNES stuff I came back to, you know, um, aged about 10, maybe more. And this is one of those, like, I it's weird. I played Donkey Kong 64 before I played Donkey Kong Country. Now that is weird because yeah. Donkey Kong Country, uh, Donkey Kong 64 is... It's a weird game. I, like, I... It's massively flawed yeah um, but i kind of love it as well like I for what it is i kind of like it i like the boss fight i love the end the end boss fight I'm yeah a big fan of that um but yeah that, that game has some issues yeah it's it's um, it definitely i think time. of that era with uh nintendo and rare it is the most considerably flawed yeah but again still because it has that rare charm to it um and it was like i, I was right in my collect-a-thon platformer groove 
at if, that if, point in my life. I think that came out at the right time for me to just have a bit of a soft spot. If that it. game had come out at like the early cycle of the N64, I think it would be looked at a lot more favorably. If it was pre-Banjo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think it was like ninety nine that came out. Yeah, I got it with no mercy. Jesus, yeah. um, that Christmas. So that'll tell you. So yeah, that'd be ninety nine, two thousand then. Oh, yeah, probably yeah. two thousand. Yeah, fuck it, must yeah, be it was, millennium. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, it Christmas. It was Christmas ninety nine, so, and it had just come out then, because it was. Oh no, it would have been because I think I got my expansion pack with that, and Perfect Dark was two thousand. I already had the expansion pack by then. Well, No Mercy surely would have been two thousand because like Benoit is in it. And, yeah, but uh, the graphics are for No Mercy ninety nine. Yeah, but again, Benoit, yeah, Benoit is in it, so yeah. it would have been two thousand. Okay, maybe I'm getting the years wrong so, slightly. Dunkirk yeah, might yeah, have yeah. been six, uh, six four. Might no, it probably was. It probably was two thousand because I got them both together, and yeah. that was the game I got my expansion pack with. So yeah, I'm I'm probably mistaken on that then. Um. um anyway, but yeah, yeah, but that's not the game we're talking about here. Hey, fucking tangent cast here this week, but um, yeah. So I came back to Donkey Kong Country having experienced something that was definitely not Donkey Kong Country in Donkey mm. Kong sixty four. You can say a lot of things about that game, Donkey Kong Country. It is not. Um, I remember I had memories of watching my my uncle play this game. Uh, when I was smaller, but wouldn't have had an appreciation for it myself, except watching it like it was a cartoon. And come back to it and going, my God, games are hard. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. uh, kind of the platformer I had played most to that point would be like Mario 64 or Banjo, which are... I never found them difficult. That isn't to say they are not in their own way a bit difficult at times. There are certain elements of it that are kind of frustratingly difficult. Um, especially when you're trying to 100% them so I came back to it I was kind of just blown away about like even at that age like having an appreciation for I was always kind of I could always understand that this game was doing something that a console that old shouldn't be able to do visually and and, and um, mechanically because it feels so different from yeah. anything else at the time it really stood out in my explorations of that console in a way that I think only something like uh, Link to the Past did as well for me. I think it's like right up there. I have it somewhere in this house (laughs) packed away. For me, the thing with uh, Donkey Kong Country, uh, now we did make a slight mention earlier to to Mega Man and I will say that the the similarity um, with that compared to Mario is that other than say like the moving levels in Mario where you're in the sky, for the most part, you could be in any given level and you, you're not going to feel like constantly you're going to die any second yeah. with Mega Man and certainly, certainly with Donkey Kong Country, that game constantly keeps you on edge about something uh, attacking you or hitting you um, and or you, you know, dying essentially. Mm. Um, and the thing with Donkey Kong Country is the sheer variety of what happens in levels and the different types of levels themselves like you will be doing one level where you're just kind of minding your own business and before you know it you are being propelled by those fucking barrels oh. the barrel sections in donkey kong country and it is a consistent theme between that all the way up to donkey kong uh, uh tropical three uh, freeze is the barrels are some of the, like the most 
demanding and challenging and like maddening maddening and reflex like the reflexes you need like with some of the things it asks you to do in those games there, there are a couple of levels insane. in those games where like Mario always benefits from because of the mushrooms and stuff that pretty much you make one mistake and you can keep going yeah uh, there are several levels uh, in Donkey in, in Donkey Kong in the Donkey Kong Country franchise where one mistake. Yeah, well, you, one you, mistake. You have one hit that you can take if you have Diddy with you, you yeah. know, or Donkey or whatever. But that's mm. it. After that, that's it. But even yeah. like there, there are sections with like the narrow, like the there's oh, what's the one? I can't think of the one level. You know where you're basically you have to follow the platform. Mm-hmm. It's going along the whole level. So yeah. you make one miscalculation, you're done. Yeah. Oh, and the fucking um, minecart uh, levels. Nah. <sighs> and yet still, like, it's the kind of, like, it, it really is good at writing the line that, like, it's so madly difficult, but not in a way that makes you go, I'm not playing this anymore. There's, uh, there's I, such a... I've had times. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, going away for good. Like, there's times where I go, right, I need to put this down. And I'm going to come back to it again. Yeah. Not well, the, now. the thing with it is it's never a thing where, you know, the game is being unfair in, in some kind of RNG kind of manner. You mm. know, like the the enemies, and the levels, uh, they're all consistent, you know. Yeah. Um, but fuck, they're brutal, you know. Yeah. Like, I think for some people, like of the newer generations, uh, who might say something like uh, a Super Meat Boy, which you know is a very, very demanding game, but the thing with Super Meat Boy is you die and you just start the level again, you know, yeah. and you just keep going and going, and that the game is designed like that, and Rayman are designed in mind that it's short and snappy. You die, you just keep going. It's not the case with Donkey Kong Country, you know, like. You have your checkpoints, but you pretty much need to do a perfect run from one end to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a yeah, it, like if there's if there's people that have played newer platformers who've never gone back and played Donkey Kong Country, the learning curve will be steep. It's kind of like the holy grail of of that type of platformer, yeah. you know. Um, wrapping it up now. Um, if I were to sum up, uh, give you an elevator pitch for Donkey Kong Country, I was like. I, I would probably say that in the kind of the, the vast pantheon, shall we say, of uh, classic platformers, people talk a lot about, as we've said, people talk a lot about Mario, people talk a lot about Mega Man, and I think they, I think people tend to, and Sonic as well, and people tend to kind of, Donkey Kong Country seems to be left aside, it has its own kind of hardcore base of players, um, uh, check out Donkey Kong Country because it it's a platformer that plays like no other, that feels timeless in a way that kind of boggles the mind still in twenty seventeen. Um, it's going to be a lot more challenging than what you're used to, but um, in a way that has its own charm. That's going to make you actually want to master it rather than just put your controller through the television but that might also happen that might also happen yeah uh so yeah um check it out mark one last bit of business for this week uh tell us what game we are going to be talking about on episode 66 Uh, i am taking us back to 2008 originally released for xbox live arcade but then uh released further for ps3 uh and for uh, windows and linux uh, I want to talk about a pretty pivotal indie game for the time that is kind of influential for a lot of games that come after uh, in terms of the platform uh, and just, you know, the, the style of game that it is. Uh, I want to talk about 
Jonathan Blow's Braid. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Considering your uh, your very recent tussles with one of his more recent efforts. Look, me and the witness <laughs> have a strange relationship. Me and Braid have a wonderful relationship. Okay, so Braid next week on Link to the Cast. That's going to do it for episode 65 of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcast platforms of your preference. Just search for Link to the Cast. Give us a subscription, a rating, a review. All of it helps with our search engine optimization. Tell a friend. Why not? Retweet. Tell, tell people about us. They, they, might, they may enjoy us or they may think we're a couple of tossers. Let's find out, shall we? The website is linked to the cast.eu. That's kind of where our show notes and everything get posted, direct links to the podcast, all that good sort of uh, jazz. And you can find links out to all our different social media platforms and stuff like that. If you want to email us to get in touch, talk about the show, talk about anything, tell Mark how you're feeling, uh, link to the cast at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to get your email. Social media is probably the best and most reliable place to keep up to date with us and what we're doing. That's facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and at link to the cast on Twitter, where we post most frequently, I would say. I am at Dave Ryan IV on the tweet machine. Mark over there is at Lithium Project on the tweet machine. We stream video games sometimes, Mark, over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast and archive them later on our YouTube channel. Just search for link to the cast, either as all one word or separately, depending on how you like to do things. Uh, Mark, we also have a video schedule, uh, well, a content schedule, shall we say, Monday through Friday, where you're getting uh, some stuff most of the week there on Monday. It's Mark on Monday. Still playing through Axiom Verge. Still playing through Axiom Verge. Um, we had episode four there. Four. Yep. So um, we've still got a bit left to go. I mean, there's no point asking me for what I've been doing, because, you know, yeah. it's a little bit of a blur. Um, yeah, you're yeah. Um, getting deeper into that game. It's you still got a while left to go, if I remember how many of them you did i think that was 10 yeah 11 episodes yeah so you're i think around this time is when you start to see more of the the kind of subversions of the genre sure. than you would have seen in, in early periods of the game so tune in to mark on mondays uh on mondays over on our youtube channel wednesday is retro corner 64 we have been uh chronologically playing every single nintendo 64 game that was released in english-speaking territories and uh yeah that's been that's been a fun show to do it's a nice short form series we generally mark on mondays and my, my show we they tend to be half an hour to an hour or these are just kind of most of them are snappy 15 minutes to half an hour max videos so far um some of them better than others um we are kind of it's smashing our rose tinted glasses mark we we are starting to realise that the Nintendo 64 didn't have quite the hit rate that we might have necessarily thought it did. <laughs> oh no, I was aware there are there are some terrible games on that system. And there it, are some terrible games that I had completely suppressed all memory of. Like I'll we, tell you that. we for a while in the early stages of the N64 are going to be treated to some pretty poor games. Mm. Indeed. Thursday is the day the podcast comes out. That's the only piece of content that gets posted that day. It's an hour and a half, two hours uh, for you to just enjoy on a Thursday. Friday is Friday of Plays. That's my solo series. Uh, I have been playing Life is Strange and uh, I'm going to leave it. It's going to be a bit of a mystery this week. I'm either going to post another episode of Life is Strange or I might because apparently there's a big patch coming out for it. Um, have a look at Prey finally for myself if I have the time to do so. Uh, so check that out on Friday. That's going to do it for Link to the Cast for this week. For Mark Robinson, I have been Dave Ryan. We will see you all next week. Goodbye.